Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about... Episode 2 of Marie Curie, uh, read from a coffee table book called The Great Scientists. So they tend to uh, put a spin on it that uh, all great scientists are forerunners of themselves, and therefore they place themselves back into history, editing out things which would be contradict their view and reinforcing the idea that they're heroic people who are finally bred, standing before you as the great, finally evolved person. In this one, they've got Marie Curie, uh, and they do get some idea that she spent eight years as a governess paying for her sister's um, education as a sort of a tandem way through through the place. Uh, A married Paris, uh, Pierre Curie. Now, the interesting thing is that it's... um, doesn't really deal with the uh, female aspect of it. Um, And we've just gone through dirty work, or halfway through dirty work, where she's isolated uh, polonium for the first time from pitch blend in a tiny little um, um, laboratory. Uh, Now, uh, so, and they found the plutonium named after Poland uh, is, um, glows in water. Now, is that due to, um, you know, why would it glow in water? I don't know. Is it just due to the strong alpha particle emission? I don't know. The curious triumph was short-lived for they quickly deduced that pitch blend contained even another, even more radioactive element. More tiring days and nights uh, uh, bent over bubbling containers of radioactive broth ensued. It took the determined pair four more years to extract a fraction of a grand of radium. Uh, during those years, they lived on a shoestring. At this time, nobody realised the danger of working so closely with radioactive materials, and the aches and pains and weight loss they were suffering were explained away as results of hard work and poor diet. A few months before their great discovery, Marie also lost her beloved father. The Nobel Prize for a Woman in 1903, the Swedish Academy in Stockholm jointly awarded the Curie's and Antoine Henri Becquerel, the Nobel Prize for Physics for that year. It was a wonderful honour, but Marie had nearly missed out on the prize altogether because many of the judges had been against awarding the prize to a woman and proposed giving it to Pierre. As it happened, neither of the Curies were well enough to attend the award ceremony in Sweden. Their work with radioactive elements had having an insidious effect on the health. And on August 1903, Mary suffered a miscarriage and took a month to get over. Uh, the, the Nobel Prize bought uh, Marie Curie, Mary and Pierre fame throughout the world. The shy couple were suddenly thrust into the limelight, a position neither of them took very well. The prize did, however, bring them more money to do their research, and they were able to upgrade their working conditions and employ a laboratory system. Lucky insistence. In time, it also meant that Piri was deemed worthy enough to be appointed professor of physics at the Sorbonne. At last, the Curies were both working in well-appointed laboratories at the university. At the end of 1904, Marie gave birth to, um, birth to another girl named Eve. The following year, they made a long postponed trip to Sweden to pick up their Nobel Prize. In his acceptance speech, Pierre warned of the dangers of radium. He foresaw the dangers of the radioactive element getting into the wrong hands and being used for the means of destruction. Well, she said, uh, Marie Curie is uh, beyond grief, is dead to the world. She is a scientist's wall behind her grief. Marie's friend Marguerite Brott wrote, 
the words in 1910. In 1906, Marine uh, Pierre had been tragically run over by a horse and cart and killed. Now, the interesting thing is that their house, the door opened to the street in front. So he, he what he did is he was a bit absent-minded, walked out, of, out and got run over in front. Um, soon after her husband's death, she was offered a position of professor of physics in Sorbonne. Marie had reservations about accepting the role, but due to her, uh, but after due consideration, that was the best thing she could do to continue her work. At the same time, she was making history by becoming the first female professor at the university. First female professor at a university. Radioactivity was Marie's life work. In 1911, she was awarded the Nobel Prize for Chemistry for her work on polonium and radium. Then, in 1913, she established a research laboratory for radioactivity, which became known as the Paris Radium Institute. Marie was closely involved in the design of the building, ensuring that the laboratories were large and airy and properly equipped. Marie's own research was taking her closer to the reason why some elements were radioactive. Though Marie never found the answer to the question, she watched with interest as such scientists as from New Zealand physicist Ernest Rutherford unlocked the secrets. She didn't discover why, but she thought it was a crystal to the cosmos, cosmic energies, um, which turned to a great, uh, of the atom, which uh, in turn led to a greater understanding of radioactivity. The Little Curies. When the First World War began in August 1914, Marie lost little time in removing the supply of uranium from her laboratory to a bank vault in Bordeaux. Mary considered the supply so precious and deemed it to be so dangerous in the hands of the wrong person that she undertook the transportation of the chemical herself. Later in the war, she joined forces with her daughter Irene to take X-ray equipment out to the battlefield of France where it could be used to treat injured soldiers. She raised funds for the special vehicle designed by herself that could carry the X-ray machine to where it was needed. By the end of the war, mother and daughter had kitted out 11 little curies as vans became known. Marie was also personally involved in setting up 200 stationary X-ray clinics. Although she suffered terribly with her own health, Marie personally operated the equipment and was involved in training other women to use it. It's beautiful. It's a, a sort of women-teach-women thing. Uh, the thing is that she doesn't say that she fed soldiers radium, which killed them. Uh, precious elements. Following the war, Marie was appointed director of the Paris Radium Institute, a position he held until her death in 1934. Uh, the year after her appointment, she was awarded the honorary professorship in radiology in the Warsaw Radium Institute, a title that meant a great deal to her personally because of her. it was her hometown. In 1920, Marie was visited by the American journalist Marie Melanie, who was stunned by the lack of funding for Marie's work. At this time, there was only one gram of uranium in existent house in the Paris Radium Institute. Melanie promised Marie that she would raise money in America to buy her another. In 1921, Marie made her first trip to the United States, and she was welcomed at the White House by President Henry Warren Harding and presented with a casket containing the precious settlement. Um, she made a second visit in 29 to receive radium for the Warsaw Institute. Final years. Throughout her later years, Marie constantly battled with illness. Her eyesight deteriorated badly. She remained as indefatigable as ever when it came to her work. She expanded the collection of radioactive substances at the Institute and was personally involved in the recruitment and training of hundreds of new scientists. In 1934, she was finally diagnosed with leukaemia, a life-threatening disorder that we now realise can be caused by contact with radioactive material. Mary died on the 4th of July, 
1934 at the age of 66. In 1995, at the request of the President François Mitterrand, Marie and Pierre Curie's remains were transferred to Pathion in Paris, the only resting place for France's greatest heroes. Thanks a lot. Another story comes to a close. It's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you. May you discover truly amazing things, understand them and tell others. Thanks for listening.